0: Good morning. For our first scripture passage um, that we're going to kind of work through today, please turn to Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 10. This is part of uh, the Lord's calling to Jeremiah. It's on page 535 of your pew Bibles. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to plant and to build. Amen. Our, the second passage that uh, we're going to read here is from Micah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. So another uh, of, of the prophets. And here you see some of um, <clears throat> Micah's prophetic utterance to the people. So this is Micah 1, 1 through 7. It's found on page 658 of your Pew Bible. Listen to God's word. The word of the Lord, which came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, O peoples, all of you. Listen, O earth, and all it contains, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming forth from his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him and the valleys will be split like wax before the fire, like water poured down a steep place. All this is for the rebellion of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the rebellion of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? What is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? for i will make samaria a heap of ruins in the open country planting places for a vineyard i will pour down stone i will pour down her stones down into the valley and will lay bare her foundations all of her idols will be smashed all of her earnings will be burned with fire and all of her images i will make desolate for she collected them from a harlot's earnings and to the earnings of a harlot they will return Amen. And then this morning, our epistle reading is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Again, that's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. <clears throat> Listen here to God's word. And he, that is the Lord, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Amen. Now let's take just a moment and bow our heads and meditate upon God's word. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the great prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Lord. We pray as we consider um, your word this morning, as we consider how you have revealed your word and the purpose that revelation has, we pray that our hearts would be opened by your spirit, that our minds would would gain understanding of your word, and that we would go um, following you in obedience wherever you might lead. Again, we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, this morning does require just a very short introduction. Starting on October 11th, Lord willing, I will be preaching over the course of about six weeks through the book of Amos. And so uh, the sermon today, and the sermon in two weeks, is going to, to take up themes that are present in the book of Amos. Now, you might ask, why didn't I read from the book of Amos? Well, I don't want to steal my own thunder. No. Uh, uh, None, you know, we're just, we're going to present a couple of ideas. Today, it is called the Covenant Prosecutor. And in a couple weeks, it will be the Day of the Lord. And my hope for these two sermons is twofold. One is I I hope that it bears fruit when we're looking at the book of Amos. But I also uh, pray that as we look at the Word of God today that we might grow in our understanding of how the Lord has revealed himself, and that we might grow in obedience to him. Now, even as I, I say this, or even as you, you see that the, type, the topic of today is the idea of a covenant prosecutor, you might wonder what in the world a covenant prosecutor is. I mean, we know that a prosecutor is someone who, who takes collected evidence and he prepares arguments uh, against an accused person. And, you know, we sincerely hope that that person doesn't have an axe to grind or, or isn't, you know, in some way trying to, to railroad someone or, or, or wrongly convict. Rather, we, we hope that this person is working to bring about a just and equitable society. Well, within the scriptures, there is an idea of a covenant prosecutor, and that's someone that looks at Israel or the, the people of God's relationship with God. How are they interacting? Just to be clear, we see that the Lord is faithful in all things and the people are not. And so this covenant prosecutor would act like a prosecutor. He would kind of gather the evidence of the misdeeds of the people and he would bring it to their attention. He would charge them with it. This covenant prosecutor would would hopefully present um, the true picture of reality so that the people of God would repent and follow the Lord. Now, most of the time in the scripture, we call these covenant prosecutors prophets. And even then, as we think about the word prophet, we, we sometimes think, well, isn't a prophet someone that the Holy Spirit uses to, to reveal what's coming in the future? That's true. That, that's a huge part of what a prophet does. But we also see that a prophet is used by God to explain what is going on in the world. Uh, you know, explain the, the actions of God and how God is working through his people. And I, I have a little bit of a silly illustration. And if you're in youth fellowship, you've, you've heard it before, but this is not an excuse to fall asleep. Um, if you remember when the Israelites left Egypt, their circumstances were somewhat Amazing, right? They were an enslaved people, right? And you remember that they went through dry land Well, they went through the Red Sea or rather on dry land in between the two Red Seas But just in case the the details are a little fuzzy I'm I want to retell them and I want to introduce to you a character named Fred Now if you don't know who Fred is that's okay because I've just invented him but Fred is an Ethiopian man Perhaps he was you know, at the market in Egypt and he's on his way home. The point is he's not an Israelite and he's not an Egyptian. And maybe he's standing on a hill, riding his donkey or whatever back home and, and he, he turns around and he sees this spectacle. And he sees two groups. He sees the mighty Egyptian army no one can stand in the, Egypt, in, in, in the face of the Egyptian army. He sees the chariots racing around, and then he sees a very massive, slow-moving group of people on foot with women, children, older people, younger people, and they're weighed down, carrying whatever they are, and of course, it's the Israelites. And Fred probably, as he's watching this, would have, would have wondered what was going on because the Israelites are walking right towards the Red Sea. And it turns out that the Red Sea is a pretty long way to swim. And he would have known that the Israelites were going to get stuck on the beach. The Egyptians are going to come and destroy them. This is is as obvious as it could be. But then something odd happened. As the Israelites stepped right at the, the water's edge, the wind came, the water separated, and the Israelites walked across on dry land. That's something that Fred the Ethiopian probably wouldn't have guessed would happen. Now we see also that he's probably looking at this and he sees that the Egyptians are kind of in confusion, wandering around, but he sees what he'd expect. The, Isra- the Egyptians pull it together and they follow the Israelites in between the water. Two columns of water, as it were. And he probably would have thought, well... That whole thing with the water was a neat trick. But the Egyptians are going to do what the Egyptians are going to do. And the Israelites are going to die. But then, mystery of mystery, the waters close in on the Egyptians and Israel is saved. That would have been a pretty amazing story that, that Fred would have seen. You know, that he would have seen these actions happening. And as he went home to his people... He'd have been able to tell them some pretty cool things, but he would have missed the main point. Let me explain. He, he would have been able to talk to them about God's glory and awesome power. He'd have been able to talk to them about this thing that happened, but he wouldn't be able to tell why. We know why, because we have the book of Exodus. We have, we have God's revelation of what he was doing, that he was delivering his people out of captivity. We know that the Egyptian army, which probably would have beaten most other earthly armies with all of its God, could not have stood in the presence of the living and true God who made the heavens and the earth. That's what Exodus tells us. That's, what, that's why when we read Exodus and we read this account, the good and right response that Fred wouldn't have known is to worship the Lord and to follow him, right? It's it's the prophetic work that Moses carried out. So Moses, in this silly little illustration, is explaining the actions of God and the circumstances of the people so that they understand what the Lord is doing. Now, it's not always good uh, in fact, one of my favorite instances of a prophet telling it how it is, is actually in 1 Kings 22. And here you have Jehoshaphat, who's a pretty good king in Judah, and Ahab, who's a pretty awful king in Israel, and they're, they're teaming up. They're, they're, they're wondering, should we go and, and attack this city or not? And Jehoshaphat says, you know what we need to do? We need to find a prophet. And we need to ask if, if this is a, you know, the right thing to do. And Ahab says, well, I got a whole bunch of prophets. They're, they're all around and he gathers them up and he, they say, oh yeah, you can take the city. And Jehoshaphat says, wait a second, these aren't prophets of the Lord. They're prophets of some other idol. We need a prophet of the Lord. Isn't there one of those around here? And Ahab's response is amazing. He says, well... There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imla. Now, Micaiah, son of Imla, never wrote a book that we have, right? But man, I'd have loved to read it. What would he have said about Ahab, right? He, He saw the sin of the king and he called it like it is. Uh, he, he announced to him that what he's doing is not right. Well, this morning we're going to look at Jeremiah's calling and, and some of the other works of the, the, the other words of the prophets. And we're going to see that the Lord is using Jeremiah throughout his life and ministry to proclaim what is going on in Judah. He's, he's giving an interpretation of history and how the people are wayward. And guess what? Jeremiah's ministry is the same today as it was nearly 2,500 years ago. As we consider the prophets this morning, we need to remember that we have been, we need to remember that they have been called by the Holy Spirit to speak for the Lord. And we need to listen to them and follow wherever they lead. Look with me again at verses 4 and 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1. It says, Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, don't miss this calling. The Lord is announcing to him before his birth... That he's been consecrated to this task of being a prophet. And as you think about that, uh, probably Ephesians 1 uh, verse 4 is is somewhere in the back of your mind. It says, and this is uh, for all believers, it says, Just as he chose us in him, that's as the Lord chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless. Jeremiah is chosen in sort of the same way that we were, namely before we're born. Now, to be clear, we're not all chosen to be prophets like Jeremiah was a prophet. Uh, But nonetheless, we need to recognize that the Lord has a calling on our life in a similar way as his calling upon Jeremiah's. And we see the way in which Jeremiah is to serve. And if you, you look at verse 10, you, you read this. The Lord is speaking here and he says, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. That's a mighty activity. That's a, that's a mighty calling. You know, as I think about that, I, I have a certain amount of incredulity. How could one weepy prophet from Judah Break down nations. Now, I know that he's not like, he doesn't have his own sword and is going single-handedly against, say, the Assyrians or the Babylonians or whatever, but that seems odd. But then I recognize what the Lord says to him, and this is in verse 9. The Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So, Jeremiah, when he's speaking, when he's speaking to, to throw down and to, to raise up, it's not of his own authority. It's of the Lord's. It's not his um, his own might or his own wit or his own strength. It is the Lord literally putting the Lord's words into his mouth. That's what gives him authority. And that's what, what allows him to speak truly about what is going on in the world. And he serves as the Lord's judge in some manner over the nations, starting with Israel and Jerusalem. Now, as we read Jeremiah, you may know that life is not always smooth for him. In fact, uh, he spent some time even at the bottom of a cistern, which I imagine would have been great fun. Um, But we see that the Lord delivers him through it. And the Lord even speaks through Jeremiah right up until the Babylonians come and take the nation of Judah into exile. And as I reflect on that, one is I'm I'm reminded of God's faithfulness to deliver. But at the same time, I think that must have been depressing to watch the people go away as you warned them that it would happen. Um, If I thought that was bad, I think Isaiah might be even worse when Isaiah was called by God, the Lord said, Go to this people, talk to them about their sin, but they're not going to understand. That sure sounds like an awful way to start your career as a preacher. This sort of calling, this sort of idea that, that, that the prophets of God are called to, to preach and, and to communicate. What is going on within the world isn't just limited to Jeremiah or to Isaiah. We, we, we can look at any of them, really. Um, but this morning, I want to look just a little further at Micah. We don't have his calling, but we see the fruit of it uh, in, in those first seven verses of Micah 1. And he writes in verses 2 and 3, Hear, O people, all of you. Listen, O earth, and all it contains. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming forth from his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. Micah here is calling all of the nations, not just Judah and Israel, to listen up and to take heed. He's announcing that the Lord is going to come down from his throne. He's going to come down as a witness. And just think about that for a moment. The Lord who knows all and sees all is going to come down as a witness against the people. I would say, let your heart quake a little bit. When I think that the Lord might be coming against me with all of the sin that I know that I've committed, and he knows that I've committed far more than I do, I just think, I'm undone. Micah goes so far as to tell us that the mountains will melt under the Lord. And that might seem like an odd turn of phrase, but but what's going on is that the Lord is coming to smash the altars, which are often on mountain places. That means he's going to crush the sources of sinful worship in the nations. And if the people don't repent, he's going to crush them alongside their altars. He even then pushes it a little further, not just against the nations, but uh, Israel and Judah specifically. He writes in verse 5, what is the rebellion of Jacob, or Israel? Is it not Samaria? What is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Now, as we think about these questions, we, we might remember, okay, yes, so Solomon died. He had a son. The son was not Uh, uh, He did not follow good counsel And so the nation was split in two And we might remember that the the northern kingdom They set up altars immediately And they began to worship Something other than God immediately And so it's no wonder that Micah is saying That's not right But we would say, wait a second Why is he judging Judah so harshly? Why is he calling Jerusalem a high place Or an altar or, you know a place of idol worship and the answer is for, for you know at this point we don't know exactly what has happened but the worship of God in Jerusalem has gone astray the people no longer honor the Lord Perhaps it's his law that they've cast off. Perhaps they are not caring for orphans and widows. Perhaps they're worshiping other gods alongside of the Lord. We don't know fully, but we know that by the time of Micah, the Lord has had enough and is calling the people to repentance. He's serving as a prosecutor, saying, these are your sins and this is the judgment. The, under, the underlying assumption is that the people are to repent. Repent now as we think about that we might say all right uh, does this still happen today right Um, do we still see the prophets functioning in this sort of way today how does how does jeremiah or micah or isaiah or micaiah for that matter help me well The the short answer is that yes, the Holy Spirit is still speaking through those prophets to us today. And I'll give you um, an example. How many times have you read through a portion of the scripture and you said, Hey, I've never read this before. But you know that you have, right? You might have read it 10 times or 50 times or 100 times or 1,000 times. But you see something new that you never saw before. I've checked, the words didn't change, right? What's going on? It's that the Holy Spirit is working through the Word of God to refine you in ways that you have not yet experienced. So, the ministry of Jeremiah, the ministry of Micah, continues today. What should we do? Well, to start, we need to be reading our Bibles. Whether it's a few verses or many chapters a day, we need to be in them reflecting on them, meditating on them, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them to us. But beyond speaking through the Word of God, we also need to recognize that the Lord is continuing to speak through people. Now, I want to be careful here. Uh, I'm not saying that, that we have prophets in the same way that we had Jeremiah or Isaiah, right? We don't, we don't seek to go into the hills of Telford to find a prophet there to inquire of him, of the Lord, and, and then take his revelation and put it at the back of the Bible as part of the Newest Testament. We believe that the Bible is closed, right? Or the, the, the canon is closed, that we're not going to add to it. But nonetheless, we need to recognize that the Lord does speak through other people. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One, how did you come to know the Lord? My guess is either somebody shared the gospel with you, or you might say, well, I was brought up in a Christian home and, you know, I just always believed. But I got news for you if you grew up in a Christian home. Somebody else shared the gospel with you. Probably a pastor, probably a church member, probably a family member, probably all of them throughout your life. Right? The Lord uses people to communicate the gospel. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, recognize what this is. This is God's revelation to us. It communicates all that we need to know about Him, who He has called us to be. And unfortunately, from cover to cover, it shows that we're sinners in need of salvation. Praise be to the Lord that he sent his Son, truly God and truly man, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us. Here again is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak through people. The second example um, is from my own household. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I guess, warn you at the outset that my daughter, my beloved daughter, Naomi, is... Um, could probably be a spy. Perhaps your children were like this, but at five years old, she sees and hears everything. And she has this wonderful habit of asking me questions that I don't want to answer. And there are questions I don't want to answer, not because I don't know the answer, not because I think that my answer's wrong, I know my answer's right. Rather. I'm in a situation where I've done something or said something that probably isn't correct and she's asking me about it and if I answer her correctly, which I should, she's going to know that I'm not doing something right, that I'm sinning. In the moment, it is incredibly frustrating to be reproved by your five-year-old. Nonetheless, standing here when she's seated over there, I can say, I praise the Lord that that he's working through her, right? Helping to, to, to watch as, you know, as her mind is forming and she's taking in the world around her and the spirit is at work within her, she's able to encourage, reprove, strengthen others around her. The same is true for all of us. And in fact, we see within the scriptures that that is part and part part and parcel of God's purpose for the church. We see this in Ephesians four verses eleven through thirteen. There, Paul writes, and he and he that's the Lord gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists. And some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The purpose of these various gifts within the Scripture is that God's people would mature. We see this further on in that passage when it talks about into this body, each of the joints, each of the parts, as they're rightly functioning, contribute to the growth of the whole. So whether we are called, you know, as the prophets of old, meaning Jeremiah or Isaiah, or not, we are part of the body of Christ and we are to serve that body and encourage one another, helping each other grow into maturity. Now, how does this happen? I mean, how are we to, to, to think about this? Is that, is not this just one person sharing the insights of their study of the Scripture with another? Or, or where appropriate, uh, reproving brothers and sisters for, for sin that we see? Or, I mean, in short, isn't this just iron sharpening iron? It's what the scriptures call us to do again and again. Now, in order for this, um, we need to recognize that, that we need to be people of the book, right? We need to be people who are in the word of God, letting the word of God speak to us as we engage other people. But we also need to recognize that we need to be people open to the words of others, that perhaps like Naomi, somebody in your life is trying to ask you questions or speak to you in such a way as to help you, correct you, uh, lead you further to the Lord Jesus. A few weeks ago as I um, preached, I, I challenged you all, um, and that was in particular um It was a challenge to love one another, even people you might disagree with, particularly as we were wrestling with um, wearing masks in the service or being comfortable with that or not. And today, I think I'm gonna take that challenge one step further. i want to challenge you all and myself to speak to somebody, to speak with love to somebody with whom you disagree. And I'm just, to be clear, on any issue, for the Hebners, it might be who's sitting in the furthest back seat on the way home. I don't know, um, but you know th- that would be um, for you. But seriously, think about engaging in a loving way with somebody you don't agree with. Now, to be clear, what I'm not saying is that. <laughs> you're supposed to listen to somebody and as you're listening to them you're really just kind of thinking about how you're going to respond to them in an argumentative fashion Uh, what i mean is that we are to to listen as we engage with people to let their words sink into our brains in a good and right way and to evaluate what they're saying it doesn't mean we have to agree with them it just means we need to listen for understanding and i'll Give another. I don't mean. I also don't mean that you're going to talk and talk and talk and talk until the other person gets real quiet and you think you've won the argument, and then later you realize that you didn't win. They just knew you weren't listening, and so they stopped talking. Right? Um, I don't know any marriage that that ever happens in. I'm sorry, Sarah. Uh, again, and what I'm what I'm after is that if we understand that we are god's people that the spirit has has is indwelling in us and that we are called to help build one another up into mature believers let us listen and understand different points of view my guess is as we do so We may very well see that the Spirit of the Lord is working in the lives of those we disagree with in ways that might challenge our own wrong thinking. It also might encourage our own right thinking. But nonetheless, it will help us be more mindful of what the Scriptures say and how we are to act. As we do this sort of exercise, we recognize that the scriptures continue to speak, and that the Spirit of God continues to speak through them into our lives and into the lives of those around us. Where the Word of God continues to lead us, may we listen and follow. Amen.